Welcome back to Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli. I'm Sandra Ezekwesli, Lagos. Does the Nigerian private sector need a formal lobbying industry? Do you think the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry. Now, like I told you when we started the show today, um, I had a conversation last week with uh, Mira Meta from Tomato Joss and we were talking about the price of food and she told me why farmers' prices have gone up. And I spoke to you about it and one of you called in, a transporter, his name is Ovier, and he called in and we had uh, quite the interesting conversation. Prior to the fuel increase, mm. that if I was taking, uh, if I was going to Ibadan, right, uh, the maximum I would spend on fuel to and fro mm. was four thousand. Mm-hmm. But as it stands, if I uh, spend seven thousand on fuel to and fro Ibadan, I am fortunate. Mm. And so, imagine, for instance, Sandra, that I was in the I was in the agri business. Right, I'll put all of this cost exactly onto, exactly onto my onto my uh, onto the product mm-hmm. and onto the consumer, onto the, onto whoever I'm selling to. Yeah. Now, another thing, if you notice, Sandra, your interviewee uh, mentioned that there are three things when you ask her what are the three changes she will uh, ask made. for. Mm-hmm. She yeah, she said uh, uh, infrastructure, mm. power, and network. Mm-hmm. That's what she said, mm-hmm. Sandra. If I ask for one more thing, I would ask for a favorable environment for doing business in Nigeria. Last week, I was coming from Ibadan, Sandra, mm-hmm. and at Bega, there was this truck, this trailer that was carrying yams into Lagos. Right. And there were these guys that were holding sticks. You would think it's, it's the, 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 the truck driver was coming under an attack. Hmm. I was, you know, I haven't noticed them before. Yeah. And we are stopping this guy, mm-hmm. obviously, to collect money from him. Hmm. The question you ask yourself is that, who are they? On whose behalf do they collect this money? Mm. For what purpose do they collect this money? Mm. At every point, there is somebody who is collecting money from people who are doing business. A woman who goes to uh, Otter to buy tomatoes to come and sell in Lagos. Right. coming Before she gets to Lagos, she has paid this levy here, paid that there, paid that there. At the end of the day, she's going to be transferring all of this cost onto the products that she's going to be selling. So we need this measures to be taken by governments to be able to ensure that we have a better economy. Now, last week I asked him, uh, you know, whether he thought transporters should come together and say something about it. And he laughed it off. I laughed as well last week. But after the show ended, I kept thinking about it. I thought about it again and again and again and again. And I started to look at Western countries and I started to look at how lobbying works in those countries, countries like the UK, countries like the USA. In countries like that, companies in the private sector use lobbyists to push their interests in government. Here's today's big hard fact. According to the Center for Congressional and Presidential Studies, the lobby industry in the USA generates $9 billion in revenues annually. That's about 4 trillion naira every year. Private companies, NGOs, individuals paying lobbyists this money every year to push laws and regulations inside government at all levels for them. Now, I have to point out that this particular thing is completely legal. They're not bribes. 
their legal payments recorded for a legal service. Influence. I'll give you one example of, about how this is working in America. You know Uber, right? The ride-hailing company. You're probably a driver in Uber listening to me at the moment. Uh, but you know Uber. You know uh, Tesla. They make um, electric cars. A week ago, Tesla announced that um, they were launching a new lobby. This lobby will have one goal, to get the U.S. government to adopt policies that promote electric vehicles. Because it go favor them. They've also got electricity companies to join them in the lobby because it go favor them. If most Americans switch from petrol-powered cars to electric cars, Tesla go move markets. Electricity companies go sell more power. And so they've launched a lobby. And I started wondering now, why the lobby industry hasn't caught on here in Nigeria? I mean, I started to think about the transport. I, I, I started thinking about OVA. I was thinking about OVA all of last week. What if OVA had a lobby group ready to fight for him in Alausa, ready to fight for him in Asorok? Maybe it's already happening and I don't even know, you know? But that's what I want us to talk about today, lobbying. Let's, let's learn how it works. Let's um, separate the facts from the fiction and let's try to figure out if it can work in Nigeria. I don't know one way or the other if it's working here or if it can work here. Maybe a version is working here. I don't know. But I have somebody who will know. His name is Chief Andy Obofo. Chief Andy, welcome back to Hard Facts. Good to have you here. Great to be here, Sandra. Thank you. And um, Lagos, as Chief and I talk, I want to hear from you as well. Do you think lobbying can work in Nigeria? Do you have questions about lobbying in general? Do you have questions about how lobbying works? If you're a business owner... This particular conversation is for you. What business do you run? What business are you into? What types of policies do you think uh, a lobby could help you push? Now, let's start uh, from the basics for those who don't know, for those who have been hearing lobbying and even using the words a few times, but, you know, don't really know what it means. So, Chief, tell me, what is lobbying? Who is a lobbyist? Well, I'll say my, a lobbyist is my first son. He's <laughs> <laughs> he's very good at uh, twisting my arm to get things on behalf of himself and his brother. So I think I think children are the most natural lobbyists in the world. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but uh, if I had to write the answer in an exam, I wouldn't say my son. I would say uh, a lobbyist is somebody who um, who is paid by a group to um, to promote. A, a rules or le legislation or regulation mm. that favors them with government. Mm. So the lobbyist sort of works like a go-between mm. between members of the public and um, elected or appointed officials mm. to push particular laws or, you know, draft laws, draft legislation right. or particular um, regulations right. or particular policies. Mm. So, um, yeah, so that's essentially a lobbyist in a nutshell. So let's let's start with some trivia. Why is it called lobbying in the first place? <laughs> that's a good question because, I mean, it's like it's a weird word for that. Yeah. You know, yeah. So it, it essentially, there are two, you know, like most things, um, most of these weird English words, mm -hmm. um, there are two 
origin stories for it from both sides of the Atlantic. Okay. So the British say this is how it came about. Yeah. That, um, you know, in the Houses of Parliament, and this is like from 200 years ago, 200, 250 years ago, in the Houses of Parliament, there was a, a lobby outside the Hall of Parliament. So the MPs, before they go to deliberate, have to pass through that lobby. And so very sharp people <laughs> who maybe wanted a particular law passed mm-hmm. would wait in the lobby for... Uh- <laughs> For the MPs to pass, oh. and we now ginger them, uh, you know, uh, you know. We like, know go green. They're like, right, honourable. I need you to take this petition, and you know, so <laughs> that would happen there. Hmm. Then, but the Americans have a different story. Okay, the Americans say that you know, so the White House is on Pennsylvania Avenue, at sixteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue. Right, two blocks down is fourteen hundred Pennsylvania Avenue, the Willard Hotel. I've been there; it's still there. It's a historical site now, okay. but it's it was there from the eighteen hundreds, hmm. and according to the Americans. Um, Ulysses S. Grant, who was the president after Lincoln, right. would go to the Willard Hotel um, every day after work and sometimes during work right. to drink whiskey or drink brandy rather and have a cigar. Okay. And he would sit down at the lobby of the Willard Hotel. Oh. And so everybody who wanted some government business mm-hmm. would run to the Willard Hotel lobby uh-huh. to jam President Grant. Ah. And he... Allegedly, according to the Americans, mm-hmm. started mockingly calling them the lobbyists. Oh. So you have these two different stories, but be that as it may, we don't know which one is true, or maybe both are true, yeah. or neither is true. Yeah. But what basically. Well, it's a fun story. Yeah. So we say that, you know, the lobbyists are people who hang around government uh, to have a chance to have access to government officials and to push for particular policies. Mm. And uh, the question, it happens everywhere. The question is, does it happen legally or illegally? Mm. And so countries like the US and the UK Mm -hmm. have said, look, this is going to happen anyway. Let's regulate it. Let's make it an official thing. Okay. And that where we have lobbying today. So tell us how it works in the US, for example. How does it work there? Yeah, yeah, great. Because the US is like the, the world's leader in lobbying. Mm. You know, it's um, I, I think the last numbers is that um, in Washington DC alone, there are twelve thousand registered and licensed lobbyists. Right. You know, so that's the first point. They are registered and licensed. So if you want to work as a lobbyist in the US, mm-hmm. you have to you know go register, and then they have a code of ethics. But essentially, after you're registered and you know you're licensed, uh you can open up shop, just like a lawyer. You know, you have a lawyer, you have your legal practice, your chambers, mm-hmm. and as a lobbyist, you open your own lobbyist chambers, your lobbyist practice. And from that point on, anybody, any human being, an individual, or a company, or an industry, so like maybe the association for that company. So let me use OVA as an example now. So let's say OVA could go to a lobbyist and say, oh, we have too many taxes. The government is charging us too many taxes. I want somebody that can go and push to change that regulation. Or... The Transporters Association, of which OBA is the chairman, mm. can go as an association and go and meet the lobbyist. Either way. And the lobbyist says, okay, these are my fees. You pay the lobbyist their fees, and then the lobbyist now goes, and then they, they promise you, oh, it takes us this long or whatever it is. And what they're now doing is they're going to the House of Assembly, you know, to talk to House of Assembly members to say, look, we represent this group. And this group has a problem with this particular rule. Hmm. And this is what they... And they want this rule changed. Hmm. And the lobbies also provide extra services. Hmm. So, for instance, the lobbyists also write the draft legislation. Uh-huh. Write the draft regulation. Because think about this, Sandra. Most people who want something from government, one, don't know exactly who to meet in government to mm-hmm. get it done. Mm-hmm. They don't know 
how it should be done, whether mm-hmm. it's a rule change or a law change or an amendment or a this. Mm-hmm. And even if they know, how many people know how to write a law? How many people know how to draft a constitutional amendment? These things are very, like, you know, specialized skills. And then the lobbyist just brings all of that into one shop. And offers it as a service. Offers it as a service. So like a plumber. Yes. But for laws, I call it a legislative plumber, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So how? You know, that's my next question. How? How do lobbyists in in these other countries get a senator or a congresswoman or a president or a prime minister to accept their clients' regulations um, without breaking the law by paying bribes or taking kickbacks? So you have to make it difficult now. Suddenly, no bribe. Okay, no problem. Uh, so, so yeah, they, there's basically like you could say there's two ways or there's two general broad techniques that lobbyists use. Yeah. Um. This there's called um inside lobbying. Okay. And outside lobbying. So inside lobbying is when um you go inside. So when the lobbyist meets the government official directly okay. or the staff of the government official. So it's like an interaction between the lobbyist, the lobby, and the government. I see. And the lobbyist says, oh, change these rules or add this new rule or change this policy. Mm-hmm. And there, what the lobbyist is using, the lobbyist uses like a few, what you would call like tools, I guess you could say. So they try to use influence, like, you know, personal influence to convince. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, they persuade. They try to like make an argument. Oh, it's in the best interest of you as a politician of your constituents or it's, you know, it, it ties into your ideology or your agenda, etc., etc. Mm. They try to use that. Mm. Um, they also try to you know, do like, you know, of course, horse trading. Oh, we have this other um, senator who has agreed to this particular thing. If you vote, if you agree to vote on this policy, he will agree to it. So there's that as well. Mm. Then there's also in America, now we're seeing specifically in America, Mm. there's also the issue of campaign fundraising. Mm. So in America, um, interesting statistic, the average American federal lawmaker, so congressman Mm -hmm. or um, senator, Mm -hmm. spends one third of her working time trying to raise funds for her next election. Hmm. That it is so, in a particular day of eight hours of work, Mm -hmm. she spends more than two, two and a half hours Mm -hmm. trying to raise funds Hmm. because elections are so expensive. And, you know, um, Nigerians have a, you know, we're always talking about Nigerian elections. Oh, they, they're so expensive. They spend so much money. And I'm always telling people, well, elections are expensive all over the world. All over the world. Um, The record, the, um, um, private lobby groups mm-hmm. in um, in America in the 2016 presidential election right. raised a total of $2 billion. Mm. That's lobby groups, not what the candidates raised, not what PACs raised, mm. but the lobby groups just alone wow. raised $2 billion for both sides of the campaign. Wow. You know, so if you think about that, that's like, <laughs> that's almost, <laughs> that's almost a trillion we're talking about. Yeah, but back to, <laughs> back to the point you were making. Right. Mm-hmm. So um, now in that situation, um, the, the lawmakers or the you know the politicians mm-hmm. need campaign funds raised mm-hmm. and the lobbyists because they are in touch with all these various interest groups right. they are in touch with the Tesla and the Uber and the electric lobby mm-hmm. they are in touch with the gun lobby and the anti-gun lobby and the tobacco lobby mm-hmm. they can say to the con- um, to the to the elected official look um, we can set up a fundraising party for you or a fundraising gala or fundraising series of events and it's not us giving you the money it's mm-hmm the public, people who believe in these very interest groups will donate the money and we will keep the money together for you, right. donate it for your campaign 
if you support this policy. Now, um, I should point out that that works in America because campaign rules are very strict. Mm. So when you donate money to a person's campaign, the person does not put the money in his pocket. He can't put the money in his pocket. Mm. That money is declared. It's out there in the public. The FEC, Electoral Commission, can look at the money mm-hmm. and they can make sure the money is only going to printing posters. Mm-hmm. The money is only going to campaign ads. The, it, the money does not enter the politician's pocket. Mm-hmm. So the politicians... I like, oh, you want to raise money for me to campaign? Mm. And of course, that's perfectly legal in America. Mm. And it is perfectly legal for a, for a, a politician to say, if you are raising money for me mm-hmm. and the people you're raising the money from are saying these are the things we want you to deliver for us, mm-hmm. legal things, legal laws, pass this law, repeal this law. Yes, I will do those things. Mm. So that's how the inner lobbying works. Mm. That inside lobbying, I mean to say. Mm-hmm. Then outside lobbying is a bit different. Okay. Outside lobbying is where the lobbyists uses the public to put pressure on the on the elected official. So basically, if they want this particular law passed, like OVA, OVA wants taxes reduced for transporters. Mm-hmm. OVA, if OVA comes to me and I'm the and I'm the lobbyist and I want to use outside lobbying, mm-hmm. maybe I will go and start a campaign right. in the public. Right. So the public will start shouting at the lawmakers in Alausa mm-hmm. and in also you know in Abuja mm-hmm. to say, look, all these levies on transporters need to end or mm. need to be reduced. Mm-hmm. And so that one is not a matter of your... T- is, is, that's more like the stick as compo- as, as opposed to the to carrot. The carrot. Hmm. So um, I, I, want us to, I want us to stay on this subject a, a bit further, the inside lobbying bit. How is it, especially the financial angle now, mm. how is it not bribery? Because I'm listening to it and I'm not seeing how or why this is not bribery. Right. So bribery is when you are a lawmaker, mm-hmm. I'm someone, I'm an interest group or a lobbyist, mm-hmm. and I say, take this money, I'm giving this money to you for yourself. Right. Go and use it to buy a car or mm-hmm. whatever you want to do with it. Mm-hmm. And in exchange for that, I want you to do this, this, and this. Mm. Now, that's bribery. But, you know, the way it is, the way it's set up, any any member of the public is allowed to contribute money for the, what they call it, for the campaign and for the electoral victory of a politician who they support and who they believe will do the right things for them. Mm. And campaign promises are acceptable um sorry campaign promises are acceptable to be given from by political appointee or sorry a, a, an elected official mm. to the public okay. so if the public says deliver for us on this thing pass this law repeal this law set up this regulation mm. we will not only vote for you if you do that mm-hmm. but we will raise money from your campaign money that will not go to you directly you will not collect the money so you can't use it to go and buy a car but that money will be used to you know, fund your campaign. Like I said, buy posters and buy adverts on television and on hard factors and basically. <laughs> you know, so that and so the Americans sat down and looked at it because before these laws were put in place, mm-hmm. America was like Nigeria. Okay, people were bribing politicians. Politicians were taking kickbacks. All these things were happening. Yeah. Now Americans looked at it and said, one way or the other, money will go from the public to politicians. Mm. It's going to happen. Hmm. So how do we make sure it is done in the cleanest way possible that protects the public interest? And so they, they came up on this compromise. I'm sure it changes. It varies from country to country. Mm-hmm. But the compromise in America was simply this. Politicians can accept money if that money only goes to their campaign. Hmm. And so that's why in America, the FEC, which is like their INEC, mm-hmm. what they are most interested in is 
where is the money from your campaign coming from and mm. where is it going to? Mm. You know, so as long as that money is not going into your private you know, pocket, pocket mm-hmm. it's only going for your campaign, mm-hmm. it's acceptable. And then there are also limits on how much a human being can give you. Lagos, mm. if you just joined the show, you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. And I'm having an exploratory conversation today about lobbying and if Nigeria needs a formal lobbying industry. Because of a conversation that I had last week with Ovie. Ovie is in the transport business and Ovie talked to me about what transporters face in trying to get their work done. And uh, when he said to me, you know, that uh, this was what was going on, I I asked him on the show last week, um, can't transporters come together? Shouldn't transporters come together and say something? And uh, he laughed and I laughed. But I went home and I thought about it and I said to myself, Yo, we need to we need to see if this is possible here. We need to try and see if this is a, a, a possibility for Nigeria. And when we started the show, I gave you the example of how lobbying works in America. I told you about Uber and Tesla. Uh, Tesla makes electric cars. You know what Uber does. And one week ago, they announced that they were launching a new lobby. And the lobby will have one goal. And that one goal was to get the U.S. government to adopt policies that promote electric vehicles. He go favor Tesla, he go favor Uber. He also go favor electricity companies. So electricity companies jumped on that bandwagon and they're supporting that particular lobby. If Americans switch from petrol-powered cars to electric cars, Tesla will move market. Electricity companies will sell more power. And so they've launched that lobby. And so I started to wonder why the lobby industry hasn't caught on here in Nigeria. I started thinking about um, Ovie, the transport uh, transport businessman. And I started wondering why he doesn't have somebody pleading his case at Alausa and at Asurok. And I have a businessman on the show today who's also a policy expert. And he's trying to help me understand how this works in America, in the UK. He gave us a fun story about uh, where the name lobbying comes from and don't worry if you missed parts of the conversation you can always listen again on our podcast hard facts with sandra ezekwesili we'll take a quick break come back and continue the conversation don't forget lagos you can call with your questions with your thoughts about lobbying this is 99.3 nigeria info don't go away welcome back to your number one talk news and sports station Here we are, Lagos, having conversations on 99.3 Nigeria Info. I am Sandra Ezekwesili, and I wonder if you think the Nigerian private sector needs a formal uh, lobbying industry. Uh, This is because I had a conversation last week, and it sent me down a rabbit hole, and here we are talking about it. Now, of course, um, I I need to know if you, as a Lagosian, think that, um, as a Nigerian, really, do you think lobbying can work Nigeria. Uh, do you have questions about lobbying? Do you, do you have questions about how lobbying works? Uh, if you're a business owner, what kind of business do you run? What kinds of policies do you think uh, a lobby could help push for you? I have a business executive and policy expert on the show with me today, Chief Andy Oboforibo, and he has been so helpful explaining all kinds of things, telling us what lobbying is, where it started, how it started, how it works in the US, for example, how lobbyists in other countries get to a senator or a congressman or a president. Uh, He's talked to us about the 
kinds of lobbying that there are. He says that there are there's the inside lobbying and there's the outside lobbying. And he's told us how inside lobbying works. And um, that was what we're talking about before the break. But before we go on, let me come to the phone lines because I'm sure that you are itching to jump on this conversation. So 0700-993-993-993-0700-993-993-993-993. Now, Chief, after we speak with Odede, I need to find out from you. Um, fundraising aside, fundraising for campaigns aside, if it's just about making persuasive arguments to the lawmaker or showing them that the regulation is in their best interests, why is a special lobbyist needed? Why can't anybody do it? But let's talk to Odedei first. Odedei is in Alabado. Odedei, welcome. Good morning, my dear sister. Welcome to the show. You. Bless you as well. Um, good morning to the analysts in the house. Hmm. Hi, uh, I think lobbying the way you have described it hmm. is going to be very difficult to work in Nigeria. Okay. Uh, where, you know, uh, he actually took time to explain to us mm. what uh, internal lobbying is, mm. what external lobbying is, mm. and all that. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think both internal and external, mm. they are not likely to achieve the effect that we, we want them to achieve. For example, in the case of internal lobbying, mm. uh, promising uh, uh, legislators and uh, policy makers mm. that uh, they are going to raise funds for their campaign, all those things, mm -hmm. that, will, that will not cut any flag with them. Okay. What they request, what uh, we know our lawmakers, mm. what is paramount to them is the cash, the money that they will get from, you know, we have seen a lot of the way uh, before they will uh, pass the budget of any M uh, of MDAs, mm. before they will uh, pass laws to favor some people, they will request for money. And this thing has been going on, you know, in the dailies, in the media. We have been hearing about it for years, and uh, there is nothing we have been able to do about it. Mm. So if we start saying that we want to legalize lobbying now, it's, it's just going to be an avenue for m more bribery. There can't be lobbying in Nigeria without bribery. Mm. That's what I have come to the, the conclusion of. And even <laughs> when you now say you want to raise people to pressurize people, them to do the right thing, mm. is the, we, have, we have had people now that uh, congregated at the gate of the National Assembly some time ago. They said that uh, they were going to remain there until some things were done. And eventually, the people, they sent uh, security agents to disperse them. So, we, Nigeria is not yet developed to that level where we where could say work. that the lobbying will, will work. Hmm. In Nigeria, our lawmakers, the only thing they understand is money and more money. You know, <laughs> if, if they were going to listen to at all, hmm. we have been all clamoring for the reduction of their emoluments for years now. Hmm. Did they bother to do anything about it? Just recently, the Senate president came out to tell us that if we, are, if we don't like it, then we should fold them, fold them out. Then the, the money they are collecting, the allowances they are collecting, mm. they are not too much. They are, they, they, if they believe, we, if we are, as Nigerians believe that they are not uh, offering enough service to, to what that is worth that money, then we should fold them out. That is what he, know, he say. Mm. Knowing full way that when the election time comes, 
these people will roll out the money because people are already in serious poverty and they will not mind to collect uh, uh, Ankara uh, uh, granite oil uh, rice from them so that they will vote for them. Hmm. So in case, the case of Nigeria is so complex <laughs> and I don't think uh, lobbying is going to, is is going to help us. Odede, thank you so much for calling. Uh, Chief, do you agree? And I, I find it uh, interesting the, the points he raised. I think he, he raised quite a few, a few points. Uh, what do you think, Chief? Yes, I think he raised some very valid points. Hmm. Um, so let me start with the question. Like he said, one of the one of the first points that he made mm-hmm. was that um, lobbying in Nigeria can, will not be able to happen without bribery. Mm-hmm. I find that a very interesting comment, and I think most people would probably agree with Odede. Mm-hmm. But if you go back to, say, the United States 100 years ago, mm-hmm. um, that's exactly what people were saying. They were saying that lobbying cannot happen without bribery. By the way, there's a movie that I think everybody should watch. I watched it uh, last month and um, it made a lot of things that happen in Nigeria uh, make sense. So um, if you have the time, please uh, try and see Gangs of New York. Was it Gangs oh, yes, of New York? that's a great movie, yes. Yes, Gangs of New York. Leonardo DiCaprio is yeah, in and, it. Yeah, um, and I think um, Daniel Day-Lewis. Yes. yes. A great movie. Um, that, when you watch that movie... You see that you'll understand Nigeria. You'll understand Nigeria. Um, seriously, like Google it and uh, try and see it. If you have Netflix, it's on Netflix. Um, I'm not supporting bootlegging movies, but yes, I remembered that because you said hundred years ago. Uh, That's exactly what they were saying about lobbying in the US. Mm. Like everybody said, no, these politicians are already collecting bribes. Mm. So if you now create a formal lobbying industry. Um, they will still collect the bribes. Mm. Uh, that they will just turn it into another avenue for collecting bribes. Doesn't work. But actually, what you see is this, and I'm not saying I'm not ruling that out. Mm-hmm. But here's the way I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it from the point of view of Ovier, your transporter. Yeah. The politicians right now are allegedly collecting bribes, right? Mm-hmm. They are collecting bribes, and nothing is passing their desk unless they are bribed, mm-hmm. right? Allegedly. Okay. Allegedly. Mm-hmm. Now. Um, under that situation, Ovier is losing out anyway. Ovier is losing out. Mm-hmm. Um, every private, every member of the private sector is losing out because mm-hmm. they're not the ones giving the bribes to the lawmakers. Right. Right. Now, the lawmakers are also in a situation whereby they are collecting these bribes and they're putting themselves in the target, the crosshairs of their political enemies right. who can one day put the EFCC on them. Mm. But now, when you create lobbying, and you formalize it and legalize it. Mm-hmm. You create an avenue for politicians and politi- for politicians to receive legal money. Mm. Okay. Directed to legal purposes. <laughs> okay. I'm being see. Um, you know. Um, let me quote one of my favorite people on the, in, in history, um, <laughs> Lorenzo de Medici, who ruled Italy for parts of Italy for a long time. Mm-hmm. He said, "You can't govern with Hail Mary and the Lord's Prayer. Um, governance is not the." the nicest thing in the world. Mm. So these politicians are going to... Politicians all over the world, they're, they're interested in two things. Mm. Money money, and so winning their ele- next election mm-hmm. and money for winning their next election. <laughs> that's, that's... That's all they care about. That's all they care about. All over about. the world. That's all they care about. Look, at the end of the day, um, the president came and did public fundraising for his campaign. Mm. Um, the previous president also came and did public fundraising for his campaign. Mm-hmm. I know of governors who do fundraising for their campaigns. Mm-hmm. So even if... Uh, let us... We all know that the money for re- for elections has predominantly not come from fundraising. Mm-hmm. It has come from... Private pockets. Corruption. Mm-hmm. Um, that is where it has come from. Mm-hmm. But things are changing mm-hmm. because um, 
oil is drying up. Mm. Um, government money is not coming out as freely as it was before. Mm-hmm. And yes, of course, that um, the National Assembly will not vote to reduce their salary. Mm. They will never vote. I mean, would your caller agree to a reduction in salary in his office? Nobody ever, if nobody ever votes and agrees to a reduction in their salary. Mm-hmm. But that does not mean that they will not vote for other things that are in the public interest if enough pressure is put on them mm-hmm. or enough incentives are given to them. Now, the question is, here in Nigeria, mm-hmm. will the incentives and the pressure be the same as they are in America. So we talked about campaign fundraising because we're talking specifically about the American context. System. But here in Nigeria, it we may need to have different incentives. So for example, let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. Um, during the NSAS process, at the end of the NSAS protest, mm-hmm. you had some lawmakers here in Lagos who came out to say that um, social media is bad and social media should be regulated mm-hmm. and then a couple of days later, they came out and said, I was misquoted. That's not what I said. I can never say a thing like that. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask yourself a question. What happened in between Friday and Tuesday? Like, what made this honorable change mount? Obviously, there is something that can put pressure on a Nigerian politician. Something that comes from the public. So imagine if that is channeled towards lobbying politicians to do what people want. Hmm. Let's take another call. Uh, I love having Chief Obafemi on the show. He's so inspirational. Zero seven zero zero nine nine three nine nine three nine nine three. Do you think uh, the Nigerian private sector needs a formal lobbying industry? If you've been listening to the conversation since we started today, and you've heard all the things the kind Chief has said about lobbying, there's still a lot of ground to cover. So, Chief, I'm going to drag you back in the, into the studio on Wednesday, um, so that we'll have this conversation again between sure. five. Because we've not even put a dent in it. Um, I mean, I still want to find out why anybody cannot just be a lobbyist, right? But let's talk to Frank, you know, Joe first. Frank, welcome. Yeah, good evening, ma. Good evening, sir. How are you? Very well. Turn your radio off. How are you? I'm fine. Mm. You see, I love the conversation. And I want to come to, you said, if I may, if I may, Mr. Please, you correct me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said um, one uh, lawyer was coming inside Lagos with Yam, and uh, all those words was deserving to collect money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you, and where you call off Deji, how all these things can be stopped, and he started laughing and you laughed. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you know why he was laughing? Why? That is a problem that he don't know how to do it. Mm. You understand? Okay. That's right. Now, let me tell you, if you give me one minute now, we'll go around this Nigeria now. Mm-hmm. It's not a matter, it's not a state matter. If you are going to Onita now, after Onita now, you get them to beggar. After beggar now, at Instagram Toget, you will see them. At Bandela, therefore, they are there. You are, are you hearing me? Yes, I'm hearing you. Hmm? Coming down to Benin, you will see them. At Abo, you will see them. At Delta, you will see that if after bridge, after administration point, you will see them again. Going to Ziago, you will see them. What you live at the other night, man. Do as if you are going to Obolafo. They are women, Obede. They are from Obolafo. They are from the branch. brand. At the east of the year, they are there. You get to local, they are there. Go to Abuja Road, they are there. As if you are going to Apakaleke Road. After New York, you will see them. It's on Bojonson, they are there. After um, after spray and do, you see them going to Ecom. You see them at Yahe Mboko. They are there. Go go. That that is their business there. 
Are you hearing me now? Okay. What if you are going to Abangwa now? You see the material. You see that on my Atungo Pala. Okay. Are you so so there everywhere? Now, mm-hmm. everywhere. Mm-hmm. Go from the Bado now to the Loringo to the Mena. They are full. So how will you control it? So that was why he was laughing. How do you control it? That's the conversation we're having on the show. We're trying to figure out how exactly you can control it. Now, the next 15 minutes of this show is brought to you courtesy Unicaf. Unicaf is an online uh, education platform. They are a global platform uh, educational organization based in Europe, offering scholarships to Africans to pursue um, their academic studies with their partners online. And by the way, they told me that a lot of you have been calling, uh, trying to inquire, trying to um, see how you can get um, um, scholarships to study abroad online. And that makes me very happy. Now, they've said that um, for everybody who comes through hard facts, they're going to give that person a 75% discount. So when you do call them, uh, you know, on the numbers that they've given to uh, you on air today, uh, tell them that you've called from hard facts so that you are entitled to that um, 75% discount. But yes, the next 15 minutes of hard facts is brought to you courtesy Unicaf. So we're going to take a quick break play their message for you and then come back and talk some more about lobbying i feel like uh, asu and uh, students probably wish <laughs> that there's somebody who's lobbying on their behalf yes am i right if oh definitely <laughs> a unica scholarship can help you earn a british master's degree at affordable cost through online study choose any one of unica's partners in the uk the university of suffolk liverpool john moore's university or the University of East London. Use any electronic device connected to the internet from a laptop to a mobile phone. Access materials 24-7 via the Unicaf state-of-the-art digital platform. Earn exactly the same degree as on-campus students in the UK from the comfort of your home. Together with a generous Unicaf scholarship, you'll receive 3 gig data from MTN to help you in your studies. Build the career and life of your dreams with a British master's earned online through Unicaf. Call 0700 111-000 to find out more. All right, then you're listening to Hard Facts on 99.3 Nigeria Info. I am Sandra Ezekwesli, Chief Andy Oboforibo is here. And Chief, I think the biggest question on all our lips is if uh, lobbying can work in Nigeria. Now, when you come on Wednesday, we're going to um, talk in more detail about how lobbying works in other parts of the world. But do you think it can work here? Do you think elected officials care enough about public opinion to to be influenced by outside lobbying. You did give example about uh, Desmond Elliott, the representative for Surulere, uh, right here in Lagos at the Lagos State House of Assembly, who said one thing about social media and two days later said some, said uh, he was misquoted or he was emotional when he made the first statements. And uh, you think that that's a result of very strong public opinion. But that's one example. How, I mean, there, there, there were six other lawmakers who said things as well, and they've not recanted. Yes. So what here's the thing here's the thing with politics. And this is what oftentimes we get wrong in politics and policy making. One out of six it, it worked on one person out of six. Right. And so we look at that and we say well it's a failure. It only worked on one out of six. Hmm. 
But the people who succeed in politics said, will say, it worked in one out of six. Yay. That means if I put more effort into it, mm. it could work on two out of six. Well, it kind of worked on two because Mojisola was recalled. Well, there you go. Two, two. When they started it. Not so, so it's worked in two out of six, which means one out of three. And then you put some more effort and it works in two out of three. And that's how, that's how any sustainable, effective political system is built incrementally. Let me give you another example, a mm. practical example. Mm. In two, by the end of the 2003 elections, um, the AD, the Alliance for Democracy, had one governorship here in Lagos, Bolab and Tinubu. One. Now, if, he, if we went by the normal Nigerian way of approaching things, eh, there's no... It's over. Fast forward to 2015, and the, um, the, the, the successor party of the AD, the APC, has a presidency and the majority of states. You mean government. ACN, not AD? No, I mean AD. Oh, okay. ACN didn't come about until... AD became AC. In ah. 2003, it was AD. Okay. Then in 2007, it became AC, Action Congress. Ah. Then in 2011, it became ACN, Action Congress of Nigeria. Okay. Yeah. Then after that, it you know it changes every election, new name. <laughs> and then APC in 2015, which now we found a one that works, so yeah, we'll stay with APC. <laughs> uh-huh. So it's it like that. So you see, they went from one party, one state, mm-hmm. to controlling the country mm-hmm. because they saw that that once victory, if you replicate it in other places, it will work. Mm. So if it only worked on Desmond Elliott today, but keep at it, it could work on more lawmakers tomorrow. Lobbying didn't start working overnight in other countries. You have to push and push and push. And then you also have to realize that maybe, like I said before, the tools that work on, uh, will all be used in America, that work on American politicians, Mm. won't work on Nigerian politicians. You have to think of other tools that can be used. Mm. And we now see that a lot of times the stick works more than the carrot. Mm. I'll give you another example of something that, you said something here, we talked about something here on hard facts and suddenly we're seeing the House of Reps working on it. Mm. We talked here, when we're talking about police reform That's right. we talked about reforming the police service commission right. and expanding it from only in Abuja into all the states That's right. and now the speaker of the house of reps Femi Bajabiamila is presenting a bill police reform bill that does exactly that That's right. sometimes eh, let's also remember that eh, these politicians nobody is 100% good or 100% bad mm. these politicians there are particular things that they don't want to change like their salaries <laughs> right okay. then most of the other things that they are doing wrong they are doing wrong simply because they don't know any better. You can't assume that just because somebody is elected and honorable that they have more sense than you or more knowledge than you. Mm. A lot of the time, they simply don't know what you know. And so sometimes, it is, an, it is, it is simply a matter of providing the information and providing enough public pressure that they themselves will say, ah, if we don't do this thing, people will shout and then they will, they will now do it. We've seen more than one example. Social media bill, that's being brought back now. You remember they tried it before hmm. and there was enough shouting and they backed down. Hmm. Uh, some even argue that Not Too Young to Run was as a result it of was. lobbying. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Not Too Young to Run came about because a group, an interest group came together mm-hmm. and pushed it. Mm-hmm. You know? So let's not have this attitude. Definitely, it will work easier on some issues than others. What industries do you, where, where do you see it working? What industries or sectors do you think are in the best position to get lobbying to work? Um, the ones that generate the most revenue. Hmm. So 
even places, people like transporters like Ovier, mm-hmm. the problem that transporters have is that they are divided, they are scattered across all the country. Okay. And that's where lobbying comes in best. Because what a lobby group does is, even if you are in Umwahia and your other member is in Kafanchan, mm. the lobby group sitting in Abuja can coordinate with all of you, bring all of you together. Everybody bring your dues. Everybody come and sign this petition. Everybody Isn't that what NURTW is supposed to do? NURTW is supposed to do that, but what you often have, so you, with, I don't want to speak about NURTW specifically or mm-hmm. any union specifically. Mm-hmm. Some unions work in the interests of their members against government, mm-hmm. but some unions work in the interests of government against their members. Mm. So you, as a union member, you have to look at it and assess. Use your tongue to count your teeth. Mm. Is my union working for me? And then even if the union wants to work for you, mm. sometimes the union does not go up, know how to go about fighting for you. Right. The union needs professional groups whose only job is to go and fight. Speaking of professional groups whose only job is to go and fight, Unicaf, our sponsor on the last quarter of Hard Facts, they know how to provide um, online education for people who would like to study abroad. Um, so if you are looking to get a degree, any kind of degree really, uh, BSc, Master's, PhD, from universities in London, from universities in California, um, they can actually help make that happen for you. And there are advantages of studying through UNICAF, right? So you've got um, affordability. Don't forget I mentioned that um, if you give them a call on 07000-111-000 and you tell them, hey, I'm calling you from Hard Facts with Sandra Ezekwesli, they'll give you a 75% uh, discount. So affordability right right there. Uh, There's also flexibility because it's online. It's an online education, uh, an online education scheme. So that means that uh, you can do it at your own pace. You can do it uh, in the middle of the night when you've gotten home after Lagos traffic. There's also accessibility. There's also credibility. I mean, look what's happening with uh, with ASU Strike. Look what's ha- what we talked about last week when we're talking about um, what you had to do to defend your master's or your BSc or your PhD, where some people had to buy coolers of rice and garden egg and things like that. You're not worrying about all of that if you are doing an online um, uh, education program through UNICAF. So uh, do give them a call, 07000 When you receive your certificate at the end of your um, at the end of your course, it's the same degree that is being offered to on-campus students. So even if you never get into, uh, into uh, you never stay on campus for your classes, you do all your courses online, it's still the same degree um, that you are getting with those who are in actual classrooms uh, right there in the UK. And you can attend your graduation ceremony at the university abroad. So the certificates um, do not even indicate that you studied online. The, certificate just says University of Suffolk or it says University of California or it says uh, Liverpool John Moores University. It just, that's all it says. And if you are a working woman or a working man and uh, your money never completes to really jackpot like that, this is a great way to get it done uh, and uh, multitask at the same time. So um, again, thank you to Unicaf for bringing the last 15 minutes of this show to you and uh, we're hoping that um, uh, they continue to do this so that more more Nigerians can uh, study abroad. But back to you, Chief Oboforibo. Um, so you're saying that lobbying in the way that it works, you know, in other countries could work here. 
Yes, I am. You know, the thing is this. We like to believe Nigeria is different and special. Well, Nigeria isn't different and special. Nigeria is simply appears differently and special because a lot of things that other people have done and tried, we've not done and tried enough. That's just a simple truth. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, politicians are there because um, they want to stay there. Like, they want to stay in office, whatever it is. And if they feel like there is something that can help them stay in office or something that can kick them out of office, they will do their best to keep the people satisfied. Mm. So what a lobbyist does is finds those levers, those carrots and sticks that makes a politician do what the public wants a politician to do. So I have somebody on WhatsApp, Hamzat from Lagos Island, who says that lobbying is actually already going on in Nigeria. Yes. He says Dangote um, is, is lobbying the government. Yes. And that's why policies um, seem to be tilted towards favoring him. What do you say, Chief? That's exactly right. And you know, this is a point I was hoping we'll get to. Mm. The thing is this, the people, the biggest corporations the richest um, corporations, they're already lobbying government. Mm. The issue is that they have access. So when you have a situation like this, so what, what happens here is that it's the little guy who doesn't have a lot of access. Mm. So what the lobbying industry does or what we do when we create a lobbying industry out of nothing right. is it gives opportunity for the little guy who would never be able to enter, walk through the doors Dangote can walk through mm -hmm. to suddenly have access. Let me give you one example, for, you know, because so when I was a university student, right. I was a university student in, in, in the US, in the um, Arizona State University. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, hot-headed aluta aluta continua <laughs> and um, every day we're looking for a new cause to fight yeah. and one of the causes we're fighting was we're fighting against private prisons that is prisons owned or run by private companies mm. for profit okay. you know because there are lots of human rights issues there which I won't get into mm -hmm. so we were fighting we were against it and we're trying to get um, you know the federal government to pass regulations about it mm -hmm. and so we're like well we need to talk to our senator and uh, the senator at the time was late John McCain and um, so we managed to go and we got time to go see Senator McCain in mm -hmm, Washington, mm -hmm. D.C. Students. We were like, you know, undergrad students. And we went down to see Senator McCain. They scheduled us. We went there. We had our 20 minutes sit down with him. He was apologizing to us because he was one minute late. Um, you know, so but we sat down with him and we talked and he said, yeah, we'll do, we'll do. We found out that the private prison, you know, um, you know, industry mm -hmm. was also lobbying him, lobbying other people, pumping a lot of money and lobbying and all of that. So y'all just had your 